Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Today, it is a small group. It is just me and Adam. What's up, guys? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. And I'm Caleb at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we want to encourage you guys to go ahead and subscribe to us over at YouTube uh, at marvelwatch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, also, we have a new podcast in the Marvel News Desk family called AP Marvel. Uh, this week's episode is all about Ant-Man and the Wasp and their kind of take on it. So would love for you guys to check out that show as well. All right. Adam and I are uh, without Rhiannon today. I think she's doing something fun, but we will soldier on nonetheless. We're kind of in this, uh, it's a black hole now yeah. for Marvel. I was just thinking the other day. We had six movies in 14 months. Like, that doesn't seem like that's possibly right, but then I count them and I'm like, yeah, we basically <laughs> had one movie every two months over the last year, and now we get nothing until March. It's going to be real rough. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Ant-Man was last week and I already feel bored, you know? God, we, we really don't... I mean, this coming week we'll get confirmation on some of the Netflix stuff probably. But yeah, we're just kind of in this state of nothingness. I haven't seen. Has there been any runaway stuff um, talked about for San Diego? or? No, I don't think anything with the runaways. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they've are they been filming for quite a while now. So there's not... That will probably be a New York thing. I mean, we'll pr- probably get like a release before then and maybe they'll show like the first episode like they did shield but then oh, i don't want to get into your news because then that brings up shield how their film starting already i um well okay let's start with that news then because i haven't heard this they're filming shield right now. they're starting next week chloe bennett posted uh on instagram yesterday and it said like last friday before we start season six i'm like well that's pretty early for a june release I mean, I assume that ABC just is going to, like, keep it sitting in a can, but that seems very, it seems kind of bizarre. I don't know if that's normal. I guess if they're on a usual shooting schedule, they figured it was simpler to do that than to, like, delay it or whatever, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they tested that out with Cloak and Dagger. Like, well, maybe if we can keep fans' interest by keeping Cloak and Dagger in the can for a year and a half. This will work. But, I mean, it hasn't hurt Cloak and Dagger any, so... Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really weird. I'm like, wait, they're filming already, and it's already a shortened season. So they're going to have the whole thing filmed before the season kicks off by, like, three or four months, probably. Yeah, it'd be nice if that means it'll give them more space and time to do some cool CGI. I mean, I think we both felt like the graphics were pretty awesome last season for at least most of the space stuff. And so I guess it's awesome to give them a little more time to get some stuff, some more stuff done if they want to go a little bigger CGI, you know? Yeah, I thought that was uh, Mark Kolpak in his uh, AMA on the, the sub. Um, what do you say? The, typically the visual effects department doesn't deliver the final episode until like three or four days before the air date, which I didn't know it was that uh, that close. So at least this season, they'll, they should have plenty of wiggle room. Because, what, each episode's about a week to film, right? Yeah, something like that. That's got to be terrifying, though, to, like, 
like uh, recently Peyton Reed was talking about uh, apparently the, the de-aging effect is the longest effect so it's the last shots he gets in for those movies he's like twice in a row I've started my movie out with a de-aging shot that wasn't available until like two weeks before the movie came out yeah and it's like well if this sucks my movie's probably gonna suck so I hope it doesn't <laughs> All right, the first bit of news I did have was uh, we had a release date shift this week. So Disney was talking about a few things, including moving out Indiana Jones 5 again. They want to see just how old Harrison Ford can be for uh, Indy 5, apparently. Uh, He's going to be on a walker with like a whip hanging from it or something. But uh, the Marvel news was that there was a date for like the the weekend after the 4th of July, July 20... 21 i'm starting to get these dates all confused (laughs) it was a july 2021 date that now has been moved to a february 2021 date uh i think that set off alarm bells for everybody i mean it's pretty obvious what there it's going to be if it's moved to february isn't it oh absolutely which is (laughs) black panther uh yeah oh sorry i just got an email we're on spotify now sorry to interrupt but Oh, hey, there's new, <laughs> this is fresh off the press news. Yeah. Our podcast is on Spotify now. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, welcome first listener. But yeah, I mean, it, it would, you would think that a February release date, I mean, don't, don't, don't fix what's not broken as far as Black Panther releasing at that period would make sense. Absolutely. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it pretty much, uh, demonstrated what it can do it doesn't need this whole summer blockbuster type timeline to it whatsoever um and one would think even even with uh how well the first one did i mean i would guess that's going to carry plenty of clout and the sequel would probably be just as good if not better at least at the box office i mean if you look at the iron man effect isn't iron man 3 like one of the best grossing movies in the mcu yeah, typically uh, almost every Marvel sequel has done better than the one before it. The two exceptions are Iron Man 2 and um, Age of Ultron. Those are the two movies that did worse than their, their, the one before them. But So just picture how good Black Panther did now and see where it could go then, you know? Well, and I think that maybe we should have learned a lesson from... Uh, Deadpool, because remember Deadpool, the first one came out in February. It kind of was, it had no competition. It went on that great run, had all those great numbers. And then Deadpool two, they go, oh, we're gonna move this up to a prime slot in May, and it's done fine. It hasn't done as well, but I don't know if that's because people haven't liked it as much, um, as much as I just think, uh, it's. It had more competition, you know, like I think Deadpool 2, if it had been, well, not released this February because it would have had Black Panther, but if they had like kept it in a, in that kind of a time frame, or even if released it March of this year, I think it might've had a shot at making more money. Um, and so it, it seems like maybe we're wrong, but it would seem that this shift would definitely give Black Panther 2, it makes, it'd be exactly three years after the first one, um, if you pay attention, Marvel likes to have their sequels within about three years of each other. 
I think the only ones that have been longer than that were like Thor Ragnarok, maybe, I think is the only one that took place three years, more than three years after the first one. So I don't know. All signs point to Black Panther 2 being that next one on the schedule. So Plus, uh, I mean, Strange is probably going to be another franchise where it's more than three years, right? Because that was 2016. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to make that three year mark. That's correct. Might not even get a sequel. Oh, that's been confirmed, so we can't we can't have that take anymore. My bad. Yeah, and for our main conversation, we're going to actually walk through a little bit of the Phase Four calendar and just talk about what we think fits where and kind of what we're expecting. So, uh, if you're interested in that topic, stay tuned. We're going to get there in our main discussion. But still in the news, uh, J.B. Smoove has been uh, cast in a major role, we're told, for Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, Adam, do you have any guesses about who J.B. might be? I have no idea. Um, Yeah, I really don't. They were uh, joking. Apparently he was in like one of those uh, product placement ads with Tom Holland or something as like a used car salesman. Um, I saw one theory that pegged him as chameleon and I did not picture that. Um, but I totally wouldn't be against it, I guess. But yeah, I mean myself, I have no idea, um, who they would cast him as. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about, we already, it seems like the sinister six is where they want to head and so we know we've got Vulture, we know we have Scorpion, we know we have Shocker, uh, and then we think it's going to be Mysterio and Jake Gyllenhaal as the fourth one. And so it makes sense to me that this could be a fifth of the Sinister Six. That doesn't help us. I mean, my guess is this isn't Craven the Hunter. I mean, I don't... It could be. I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of black people in in Russia. So if they, they maybe change the character in the background, that's totally possible. Um, but it, just his physicality, he looks like, you know, Craven is just a really big buff built guy. And at least everything I've seen JB smooth and he's not, that's not kind of his thing, you know, but then again, Chris Pratt was just a pudgy little guy before they put him in guardian. So that may not mean anything either, but yeah, I think, you know, all those, whether it's an electro or a um, or a rhino or a chameleon or a sandman, maybe I mean I don't think so, but it just seems to me that all those villains would be a possibility. It also, I guess, could be a teacher, you know, like it could be the chaperone on the foreign exchange trip or whatever. But um, it it is that time of year that we're gonna get more and more. I mean, they've started filming this. And this is the point at which we're going to start finding more about the cast, I think, soon and kind of a little bit of the plot. Because if nothing else, we'll see set photos coming out. Yeah. I mean, Captain Marvel's wrapped and cast stuff still coming out. I just saw they uh, announced one of the uh, Good Doctor cast members um, was a part of that. I don't know the guy's name because I don't watch the show. Um, show prep. Yay. Yeah, it, but, is it the blonde kid who is from? Uh, no, you probably never watched Girl, a, More Girls. Uh, I'll let you know in just a sec. I was just reading it, but closed out. 
It's okay. Um, I was about to say, because if it's Logan from Gilmore Girls, oh man. No. What a, it, what a add to the MCU. <laughs> the good Doctor alum Chuku Modu has a secret role in Captain Marvel. It sounds like he could be a Doctor Strange villain, right? Like, I know. <laughs> him and Baron Mordo could be like best buddies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, nothing about his role, but... Next bit of news I had, Black Widow officially has a director. Uh, Kate Shortland has been uh, brought on board to do this movie. If you're thinking to yourself, I've never heard of Kate Shortland, you probably haven't. Uh, her, I looked at her history, and she's not. she's done a couple of sort of indie movies that were really well-reviewed, but... Um, nothing that I've ever seen a trailer for even, um, but that, I mean, that's Marvel. I'd never seen a John Watts movie before he got the Spider-Man gig. And, uh, I guess James Gunn and Scott Derrickson were a little more known before they got their deals, but not much. Um, I mean this, everything shapes up. I mean, it looks like Marvel's got a release date at the very end of July of 2020, it seems like this Black Panther... I mean, to me, this is confirmation that Black Widow is the next thing after Guardians because it's the only other movie that's uh, to this point in production. Does that seem about the right lineup for you, Adam? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree to that. Um, as I understand it, they already have... I mean, I would guess they have a treatment or something. I, obviously, they've they've tabbed the writer. Um what surprises me, it seems like uh, Scarlet has a significant amount of clout kind of around the production of this movie, doesn't it? Or I'm, am I reading into that wrong? Because it seems like they wanted to go a different way, but ScarJo wanted this, this Shortland to direct. So I don't know. Maybe I am interpreting the uh, articles wrong, but that's just kind of my take from it. I definitely read, I mean, there was this sense from the art from I think it was Hollywood reporter or somebody that um yeah it's it seems that Scarlett Johansson was really desiring this director you know she's gotten to the point now where she's one of those original six there's been all these little things that we've seen you know like moving Thor Ragnarok's production to Australia so that Chris Hemsworth didn't have to commute so far um Robert Downey Jr. obviously seems to have been uh, getting special treatment for a very long time. Uh, you know, Ruffalo sits down and he sort of like helps Feige write out the story arcs that he wants to see for Hulk. Eventually, once you earn kind of your, your stripes in this universe, it seems like the actors do have a lot of sway and it makes sense. I mean, they have been leery of black. Wid- no matter what they say, it's not an accident that we've gone 10 years without a black widow movie. And so, I think the idea of a Black Widow movie without Scarlett Johansson would be terrifying on like the executive level. And so I think they need ScarJo for this to work. And so they're going to do what she wants. And it makes sense that they'd let her kind of pick her director. All right. Um, Charlie Cox was talking about uh, team ups and how much he really wants a Spider-Man Daredevil team up. Uh, and then also talks a little bit about the Defenders and how he'd love to do that again. And it was kind of funny because every time he's like, I can't talk about this stuff. They don't tell me anything, but even if they did, I can't. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just really hopeful. Reading between the lines, it almost felt like Charlie's maybe been felt out a little bit about where Daredevil could cross over. 
but maybe that was just me. Did you get that uh, perception no, at all I reading this stuff? I mean, we heard that. I, I'm not sure if we heard. or You know, there was some speculation that Daredevil might have been the one TV person uh, character that uh, was seriously discussed the crossover between uh, Infinity War and Avengers 4. I think it makes sense, you know, outside of Phil Coulson, I, I would guess. I mean, Daredevil's probably the next on the ladder to appear in a movie. Um, but by uh, any imagination, I, I mean, I would doubt it ever happens, you know? I mean, it, I, I think it just makes sense. I, Daredevil's kind of like the OG Netflix guy. Um, and and character-wise, I just think it, it would be very good for... I think the, the Spidey and Daredevil um, crossover is probably the one crossover that has the most potential to feel natural or, or organic. You know, I don't think it would feel as forced as maybe some other crossovers would, like uh, Iron Fist Guardians of the Galaxy crossover. Is that what you? Is that the fanfic that you've been working on? Is no, Iron it's Fist not the Guardians fanfic. The no, I just <laughs> I just tried picking the two things as far apart on the the spectrum. But, yeah, I mean, Daredevil and Spidey's a guest character in many, many Daredevil books. Um, and for that matter, Daredevil's also in Black Widow a significant amount as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I think a Daredevil and Spidey crossover makes sense. But it doesn't mean much because it'll probably never happen. Yeah. I'm still holding out. I mean... This will sound odd. I don't want any Netflix show to be canceled, but I still hold out hope that if at some point Netflix gave up on some of these shows, that they could just fold the characters into the universe. You know, like at some point I would love, maybe we'll talk about this later. I'd love to see Black Panther visit the U.S., maybe spend some time in Harlem like he's done in the comics. And I think you could have a really cool Luke Cage piece to a Black Panther movie that has a scene in Harlem, you know, like that could be a lot of fun. Um, and there's no reason, I don't see any reason it can't happen once these TV shows start to wrap up. Now at the rate they're going, we're going to get daredevil season 19 cause it's Netflix and they yeah. don't cancel anything and they're making five of these a year or whatever. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd definitely be up for that to happen eventually. All right, Adam, we got some picks of Venom this week um, from Entertainment Weekly, including like a pretty good shot of the actual like Venom face and like shoulders and stuff. Uh, There's also some talk about how connected or not it is to the MCU. Uh, some news outlets kind of talked about it like it was definitely put into like concrete during these set visits that this is not going to be Marvel MCU connected. I felt like it was kind of more of the same. Uh, do you feel like you got any clarity out of this Entertainment Weekly set visit stuff, or is it just the same old, same old? Same old, same old. That, that's what I wasn't getting yesterday. You know, one outlet decides to run with the whole, uh, hey, Venom's confirmed to not be part of the MCU. And then every single site on the internet takes from that. Um, but you read through, and there's no confirmation whatsoever. You know, it's not like Feige came out and said, no, Venom has nothing to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have our own Venom. 
we're not dealing with this Tom Hardy stuff. You know, it's there was it was like the the EW rider pretty much regurgitating everything else we've we've heard throughout this. Um it's it's probably not part of the MCU, you know, but at the same time they they might name drop the incident or or something like that. I mean, is Jessica Jones season two part of the MCU? That that type of stuff, you know. It, it's probably it could be adjacent. It could be you know. Obviously, if they cast a different Peter Parker in Venom, which they probably should have done or, or something, you know. Um, yeah, I, it could be. It could be not because. Yeah. Well, and. You know, I read the article, you know, once I saw the headlines that, oh, it's been confirmed, this is not connected to the MCU, I read the Entertainment Weekly article carefully looking for phrases, and there was phrases like, Spider-Man will not appear in this film. Well, okay, we kind of knew that. The The one uh, theory from, from John Schnepp has been that Peter Parker will. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Schnepp's in the hospital right now, apparently, according to Twitter, so... Yeah. Best wishes for him to get better, but mm-hmm. um, he's mentions that you know Peter Parker will be in it, but not Spider Man. So you can say Spider Man will be in it, and that doesn't mean that Holland is not going to appear. Uh, furthermore, uh, it says it wasn't part of the Spider Venom is not part of the MCU Sony deal. Well, we knew that. We nobody thinks that Venom is going to show up in Avengers, right? Like, so we knew that only Spider Man was part of that deal. But that doesn't mean that Venom can't be connected. And then it said it's in a different world than the MCU. But we've already heard this out of Pascal when she's talked about, well, it's not in the same world, but they're part of the Marvel Comics universe. So we're like, what does that mean? And then she's like, it's in the Marvel Comics universe, just not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we're like, this is so confusing. So anyways, this feels like us talking about old news that's not really news. But I guess our take on this was that all of these definitive declarations yesterday seemed like a bit much that we still really don't know what's going on with this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that kind of brings up another point, you know, with with Sony doing this Spideyverse and um, the Morbius um, and Silver and Black, if they're still working on that, you know. We're going to have all these properties coming forth and it's getting to the point, you know, it might, it might kind of turn off. I'm not sure if it would turn off casual viewers, but you know, can you imagine trying to introduce someone to the MCU and trying to explain, well, no Venom's not part of it, but Jessica Jones is, but Jessica Jones doesn't have anything to do with it because they didn't even reference anything. You know, it's, getting a little bit convoluted especially since at the end of the day they are all marvel characters you know but see to me this is we've already said this so many times i wish i don't know maybe there's reasons they don't i wish feige and and pascal would come out together at san diego comic-con on the big spider-man panel and say listen venom is in the mcu in the same way that the netflix shows are in the mcu you know, like th- they already have that parallel to say they're part of the same universe and we're reserving the right to be able to cross them over. And Venom is allowed to mention things that happen in the MCU. But don't hold your breath for a crossover. You know, like to me, that is 
such a very simple way to handle it because, you know, we talked about Venom not making a whole lot of sense without Peter Parker. They're also working on a Silk movie now. Silk literally is bit by the same spider that bit Peter Parker. Like, that's... If we thought Venom will be dumb without Spider-Man, Silk will make no sense at all without Spider-Man. Unless she's, like, the spider-person of their universe, you know? I don't, it just... Yeah, I mean, I, I totally, as as a person with a full-time gig in marketing, I totally see where Amy Pascal's coming from. You know, because the second I take the stage and say, hey, Venom is definitely not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, they might as well just hire Zack Snyder as the director and call it a DC movie, you know, because they're going to lose a substantial box office haul right there. Um, that's That's how fans are, you know? I mean, it's just the brand. If you can slap the MCU sticker on something that's that's going to give a property so much clout. I mean, Venom, it looks intriguing. Like, the, the new pictures that came out, I think those look dynamite. You know, they look like Todd McFarlane's earliest work. It's almost picture perfect. You know, that's not how Venom was. Venom wasn't introduced as the person with the huge tongue and stuff. He looked almost kind of, I don't want to say childish, but he was kind of toned down. He wasn't so alieny, you know, um, but I thought they nailed that look. Well, also, unless they're giving us clips and images from the last 10 minutes of the movie, there's way more venom and venom than the, uh, mm-hmm. you remember there was that leak like two or three months ago yeah, that acted like he was going to be on the screen for 30 seconds or whatever. And so the fact that we're seeing him in the trailer and seeing like a promotional photo, suggests that we're actually going to get Venom and that the CGI isn't that bad. Like I really was Mm -hmm. expecting like in humans, like Medusa hair for Venom. Exactly. And so every time I see one and go, Oh, that looks pretty good. It just, at this point, our expectations were, this is why if you think we're too negative, which some people do, apparently I read our iTunes review recently. (laughs) And there was one guy that was like, I hate this show because they hate everything in the Marvel universe. And I was like, we're the show that liked Iron Fist. We hate everything. Anyways, the reason <laughs> that we were that, you know, part of the reason to be down on something like this is I think that we're going to be, I'm expecting at this point, our review to be like, huh, we kind of liked that. That was a surprise. How wonderful, you know, because, yeah. you know, yeah, start exactly. with low expectations and things can go up from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so Infinity War, we had, we had an episode. What was it? What happens if Infinity Wars? bad yeah now once venom rolls around our episode's gonna be like what is venom's good (laughs) the venom preview issue episode that's awesome (laughs) but yeah i mean that that's still a great uh you know if woody harrelson's cast as cletus cassidy and carnage sign me up that's perfect yeah uh this may be an odd comparison but it kind of reminds me almost of um the nolan batman movies when they did Batman Begins and they kind of went the Ra's al Ghul direction, it wasn't like an obvious splash for the first one, but they set everything up in such a way that the Heath Ledger Joker thing just took off in the second one. I, I think Sony could do a very similar thing here if they set this character up right, give him a decent enough protagonist and enough issues that then they can go full on Venom Carnage in the second one. You know, I'm I'm willing to be patient with that. Just 
I just would like to know if Spider-Man was in it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm really yeah. wishing that at yeah. San Diego, they talk about the MCU, they talk about Holland, they talk about Spider-Man, and just give us clarity, you know? My suspicion is if they don't give us clarity, it means something crappy's coming. And if they do, then it's something good's coming. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing. You know, Deadline posted their San Diego preview, and they, like, fit, wrap up the article by saying, oh, don't be surprised if Tom Holland's there. I'm like, oh, that's, this isn't really helping out. The, is it MCU? Is it not? You know, if Tom Holland's on the same exact stage as Tom Hardy in the same panel, you know, it's like, uh... Okay, well, that's not helping that PR at all. But. Right, but, you know, again, going back to going back to something Schnepp said a lot on Heroes, if Sony made this deal with Marvel and they pay Tom Holland's salary and the deal is that Tom Holland isn't capable of being anywhere near another Sony project, that's a terrible deal. You know, like... You would think that Sony was like, yeah, we're going to do all this stuff, but we want Holland to be able to like cameo in the movies. And if Marvel said, nope, can't do that. I don't Sony's like biting off their nose to spite their face. You know, like it just, it, it seems like that would be a poor decision. All right. Uh, so Punisher has been nominated for an Emmy for best stunt coordination. Uh, the only question I had on this is, if you had to pick a best stunt coordination show on Netflix, would it be Punisher? Uh, probably not. No, I mean that. I, I'm trying to think back. I mean, stunts. I mean, are like the the car chase scene with the uh, um, he had a box truck or something. Is that considered a stunt? Yeah, I would think right. so. That's a stunt, yeah. right? Okay. I mean, there, but that's not like that happened throughout the episode. You know, like uh daredevil fight sequence it's just kind of a peculiar choice that my general thought was like it's there was one car chase and some gunfights and it was good don't get me wrong i love i like to punish her i like the action but it's hardly groundbreaking to do like gunfights in a tv show you know like they do that all the time i would think that you know like <coughs> hallway fight uh would be a little more deserving of some <laughs> Emmy nominations. I'm just saying. I forget. Daredevil may have been nominated back then, but. Yeah. See, this is where we're going to get another review for crapping on it. Punisher gets a, Punisher gets an Emmy nom, and we're still like, ah, no, we hate it. <laughs> I don't know how they make these votes. Yeah. Like, you know. I mean, seriously, how would you possibly nominate stuff for Emmys? With the amount of TV yeah, that's on, how could you possibly exactly. have any idea what's happening on... I mean, there's got to be 400 shows on TV that have stunt coordinators, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. I was looking through the Emmy list. I'm like, I don't... It'd be interesting to find out how the nomination process works. Do they just take, like, the, the five most nominated? So if, like, the fifth show has two nominations, they're like, ah, that's in. You know, it's just... Yeah, there's a lot of content to consume on TV. I think if it's like the Oscars, they probably go to the stunt director people and they use them for nominations. And they probably know better. They probably hear like through the grapevine, like, oh, you've got to watch this show. They're doing something really awesome. So the other disappointment, I think, 
for me at least, as far as I saw, Emmy um, Legion got zero nominations. Hmm. I thought I saw it got one, but maybe I was. Uh, I could be mistaken. If so, it, I mean, it it may have. It was probably on a pretty minor category then, because I mean, I read, I looked at not a complete list, but I looked through like the top thirty or forty categories or whatever, and I did not see anything. Which is kind of surprising to me because Legion is a great show. I feel like it's gotten really good publicity. FX has become sort of a prestige network for the Emmys. So it's, I don't know, kind of sad to me that we didn't see more for Legion. It, no, it did. So on from Marvel.com, Marvel Television received four Emmy nominations. An Outstanding Music Composition for a Series. Sean Kelly is nominated for Jessica Jones. Outstanding Original Main Title Theme Music Category is John Pisano for Marvel's The Defenders. The Stunt Coordination is Tom Williams for The Punisher. And Outstanding Cinematography for a Single Camera Series Category. Dana Gonzalez is nominated for Legion. Well, if it deserves anything, cinematography would be, would be it, so... Yeah. That that's good. I was I don't recall what the Defenders main title music even is. Yeah, me neither. I like Luke Cage's main title. Someone recalled enough to nominate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um also Big Hero Six's animated show. Another random Marvel thing. Uh was nominated for Best Animated Series. So I've not watched that, but nonetheless I noticed it. All right, uh, the last bit of news I think I had. Yes, uh, this isn't huge news for Marvel and DC, but or Marvel DC, Marvel and Disney, but um, the government has uh, appealed the decision on the ATT Time Warner deal. Um, this is one of those. At this point, Comcast is is losing this battle with death by a thousand paper cuts. I mean, I guess seventy one billion dollars is a little more than a paper cut, but Marvel has outbid Comcast. Marvel has gotten approval for um, their antitrust stuff. And Comcast had sort of tried to pitch to Fox, we won't have antitrust problems because ATT Time Warner prevailed. And now ATT Time Warner is back in a legal quagmire. And so Disney can very easily say to shareholders, yeah, you can try the Comcast deal, but look at what they're in at ATT Time Warner. Even if you succeed... You're going to get appeals and the Department of Justice coming after you. So just one more positive thing, I think, for the Disney Fox deal. Last we've heard, it's still a July 27th shareholder vote. Uh, also, one of the shareholders has sued that Disney has not done their due process in that. I think that's just a money grab. I mean, I don't know, but I'm assuming that those kinds of lawsuits happen all the time when they're $71 billion. I mean... At this point, Disney could be like, here's $100 million, go away. And it doesn't substantially change the cost of the deal, you know? So. Yeah. And there, I did see another report earlier this week that Comcast would back away completely if Disney would part with their uh, stake in Sky. Yeah. So I'm like, that seems like kind of a, a minor... Why not? You yeah. know, if I'm Disney, yeah, have Sky. I, I th- Who cares? I think the only reason why not right now is it seems like Bob Iger really wants to screw over the guy on the other side of the table. Yeah. But I think if they got to a point where they were seriously in peril of the deal going through, he'd drop it. But right now, I think he just wants to spit on the other guy's grave. So <laughs> we'll see. 
All right, that does it for our news. Uh, we wanted to announce something new that we want to try. We haven't totally cleared this with Rhiannon, so hopefully she'll be cool with it. I think she will. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna try a summer reading club for Marvel News Desk. So the idea is, and we'll probably do it not in the summer too. Uh, we're gonna pick some kind of comic series, event, run that Adam and Rhiannon and I are gonna read probably related to the film and TV show side. And then it'll be a main conversation at some point. Um, so we don't have this real lockdown. We've decided to do the, um, Kelly Sue DeConnick's run on Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel's coming up. I think all of us are woefully unaware of Captain Marvel as a character, uh, from our comic side. So I think we're going to run, read the DeConnick run. Um, and I don't know, probably sometime in August or September, we'll talk about it. So what we'd love to do, though, is for you guys to join us. So if you have Marvel Unlimited, it's all there. Comixology, you can pick this. Uh, Comixology Unlimited, I know the first volume is free because my wife just downloaded it and read it over vacation. Um, so if you guys are interested in doing this, go pick up uh, Deconic's run on Captain Marvel and I don't know, four or five weeks from now, we'll we'll talk about it ahead of time. That'll be our main conversation. You can send in your comments. We can interact with those. Uh, make it something that kind of we do with you. So uh, get reading on that, and we'll do that as a main conversation a little bit. Does that sound right, Adam? Absolutely. We sh- Oh, yeah, that sounds great. We should. And this is not a sponsored ad for what I'm about to say, but, I mean, Marvel Unlimited is well worth uh, 10 bucks a month or whatever it is um there's i mean with the exception of the the new stuff released within the past six months i mean virtually anything is on there i mean i'll think of a run and go back and, and it's typically on there i mean every single person's first appearance is going to be on there i mean there's probably not some of the early earlier stuff but pretty much anything between what the late 70s early 80s through now i mean all the cloak and dagger comics um every single guardians run all. yeah but yeah join us we probably uh we probably should take some suggestions too yeah for future for ones yeah favorite runs and stuff yeah absolutely because we had talked about if this goes well we also might do um born again at some point soon uh to like have a conversation on that before daredevil season three since we think there'll be some of those plot elements so it's kind of a way to do a little more comic stuff on the podcast too so um also you mentioned marvel unlimited um rhiannon's the one that set me onto this if you really want to get it cheap uh marvel unlimited has like a plus subscription that gets you a special limited edition action figure and a lot of times you can sell the action figure on ebay for about the same or more than the subscription for the annual Marvel Unlimited Plus. So for the last year, I've been doing Marvel Unlimited, and they've been, in a way, I've been paid to do it because I think I made like 10 or 20 bucks more for the figure than I paid for the Unlimited subscription. So cool. Let's jump into our reviews. Just one thing this week Cloak and Dagger Episode 7, the Groundhog Day episode of Cloak and Dagger. Adam, did you uh, did you enjoy this one? It is my favorite episode of the season. How to explain? I don't want to call it a nothing burger because I liked it so much. I, 
little happened in terms of advancing the plot. Uh, but I mean, it was nearly strictly character development, you know, Ty and Tandy kind of really breaking them down and dismantling them and getting down to their dark and gritty core, you know, um, and that's what I loved about the episode. Plus the episode opens up with a, a Decemberist song. I mean, that's one of my favorite bands and I think they had three songs throughout the show. So it, it, I thought it was a very well-rounded episode. Yeah. I loved that. Um, so we have this like weird thing with comics that if there's no action and there's no fighting and there's no powers, it's like, come on guys, where's the fight scenes? But then you also, then reviewers on the other end are like, well, just another thing where they just punched their way to a solution. I love that this episode forced them to use their powers and to get into fights and to, and also really moved along how competent they are with their powers, at least in that dream mm-hmm. world. I'll, we'll see if that you know works in real life. But it like moved yeah. along their competency. It did the fight scene thing. But in the end, it still had to be smart. And they still had to be clever. And they didn't just punch their way out of a problem. They had to kind of solve it, you know. The one quibble I have is in the previously on Cloak and Dagger... The whole cardamom thing, like, you know, where, like, cardamom was the key to unlocking his memory. I knew that from the start because it was, like, previously on Cloak and Dagger, here's a cookie, it has cardamom on it. And then they cut to another scene, and I'm like, hmm, that was an odd thing to remind me of. But um, I still love that Tandy, I love the way that you slowly, like, lose yourself in that universe. I love that time works a little different. There's, like, an interstellar kind of thing where, like, Ty could leave yeah. for like 30 seconds and then come back and he's been gone for 200 cycles of it. You know, I, I it just all seemed very clever, very emotional. Uh, her dad's quote about our failures are the steps up to something better was totally lived out in the episode, but not in a way that like hit you over the head. Like I'd forgotten the line until they brought it back at the end. I was like, Oh yeah. Cause every time they failed in the, in that world, like it got them close. Like, I just thought it was really, really, really well done. And I, I love that the show is seven episodes in. This is where, like, I loved Runaways, but Runaway peaked at about episode one or two for me and then kind of, like, drifted as it finished out. I feel like this show is getting a little bit better as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I love that uh, the time... Ty came back to the present reality, Earth Prime or whatever you want to call it, and was here for five seconds and went back in. And I really liked how that was kind of the Doctor Strange and Dormammu thing because Ty comes back in and we find Tandy's been in there for 200 cycles or whatever you want to call it, but now she knows how to throw her daggers. And then that fight sequence or whatever, I thought that was really cool where they both kind of show how they they now know how to use their powers. I mean, Ty was able to transport her, teleport around the room at, at will. So I thought that was a really nice touch. I do kind of wish in the comics, his power can be offensive, you know, like he can come up behind somebody and like, it's really dark when you think about it, like bring them into his like nightmare, dark dimension. And he doesn't actually kill people. He just like transports them to the dark dimension and just leave them there to rot for the rest of eternity. 
But like, there's that element of him being able to like envelop and consume people with the darkness, which in this show, he's really just purely a teleporter, which to me is, I don't know. I just like to see him have a little more capability instead of like teleporting to somebody's back and pushing them over, which is what he primarily did in this episode. And we kind of saw that dark force symptom in agent Carter, right? Where everyone started going mad or crazy or something like yeah. that. Right. So that's kind of like an agent Carter ish tie. I mean, it confirms that they're essentially mining for dark force matter. What is that? What it's called? Dark force. I don't know what it's called. Uh, yeah, sure. More. That's, I mean, I, they're, they're, I really hate to say it, I don't think that the writers of Cloak and Dagger are rewatching episode season two of Agent Carter for probably for not. ideas. No, <laughs> probably not. But yeah, I mean, this uh, there was what three characters really this whole episode: Ty Tandy, uh, Ivan, and I mean there are supporting characters, but we didn't see um, O'Reilly or Connors. But I I didn't mind it, you know. Um, I thought the premise was going to kind of get old, especially after time reset, you know, like the first two times. But as, as soon as it started chugging along, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, and I feel like it gives us like some options as well, as far as, um, I don't know, we can learn more. I, I feel like we're going to get more to this Roxxon crash and the origins of their powers and all that. Like, it felt like things are moving along. Uh, in the plot. I also thought for just a minute, I couldn't remember. So I guess O'Reilly's comic character is called mayhem. I thought she was called terror for a minute. And I was wondering if like, this is how they were going to like bad guy her is she's going to like inhale. Right. Cause that, we've gotten the sense that maybe they're not going to make that turn with her, but could you imagine like she's on the case and she inhales in some of that stuff and she turns into like, psycho bad guy or whatever I, I, it just seems like a very a, a sensible way to make that transition if they're going to But she inhales the stuff in and then she's certainly driven to actually do coke for real this time do coke and mean it this time <laughs> but uh yeah I I thought I really thought Father Delgado was going to have a much bigger role too. That's something we brought. We still haven't seen him since what episode two, I think. I was kind of bummed out. I mean, it just seemed very interesting. The last we saw of him, he put down a loaf of bread for uh, some booze, you know. And I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, character development for uh, for a priest. But we haven't seen anything since. Well, on the flip side, also in episode two or three, didn't we see? his mom grab a gun out of her safe and walk out onto the porch to go shoot somebody. And then we have it. Yeah. I think that was, a. yeah. So I, she either did that or, I mean, it just kind of showed that she's very mean to shoot like a raccoon or something, you know, but they haven't played off of it because we haven't seen the parents for, for quite some time. Right. I mean, it could be that they were just establishing where the gun came from, the tie takes. But I was getting the sense that mom is, as a Roxxon attorney, is is getting her hands dirty with Roxxon stuff, you know. Which, I why have we not thought about this? Is it possible that his mom is the reason that Tandy's dad died? 
Hmm. Like somewhere along the line, she's the one that decided to cut the funding for the shielding and stuff. And so there's going to be a scene where Tandy wants to like slit her throat and Tandy and Tyrone's got to hold her back. I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> okay. Now it's going to, no, wait, now it's going to happen. And we're going to get called, uh, we're going to get a bunch of hate mail because we just spoke. Okay, yeah, I should, (laughs) yes, let's be clear. That is not something that I have seen. That is not something that has happened. Uh, In in things that have viewed my eyeballs, it is something that I am trying to hypothesize and speculate, so. Oh, it it makes total sense because we we don't know where that, I mean, they cut it off, you know. Last we saw, Ivan's informed that, the the parts or the shielding they needed weren't coming in, so yeah, that totally right. could happen. Well, and the the sense that we've got is that Ivan and and Mister Bowen Nathan is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Nathan and Ivan both are kind of pointing their fingers at each other. Like Ivan's like, "What are you doing? You guys are screwing up. You're gonna blow the place up." And Ivan's like. What did you do? Did you cancel? You know, like, it almost seems like they're both blaming each other for something that was done higher up the food chain. Oh, and we did find out that, yeah, that's Ivan's the guy that kind of caused their car crash. I shouldn't say Ivan caused it, but he was on the phone and distracted Nathan while the car crashed. So that's how they're connected. Well, and it's also forgetting that later on we'll find out that it was Tyrone's mom on the bridge with a gun <laughs> shooting out the tires yes. <laughs> of of Nathan Bowen. That's what really yes. happened. Uh, <laughs> if we actually get that right, no one will no ever one believe will ever that, will. that we we'll were instantly get around. our press access revoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched. This is so bad. So, to, for our listeners we have press access to watch these episodes ahead. Adam does sometimes. I, I don't honestly <laughs> last two or three episodes I've watched on Friday or Saturday once they hit Hulu. So I kind of like not having the little like watermark on the screen. I'm such a loser. Yeah. It just, that, it yeah, really I know it, 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 it bothers a lot of people. I, I don't mind it so bad, but luckily for us and for spoilers, they've been very slow on uploading uh, screeners. I mean, this week's was on Wednesday night. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No future episodes are on, so no, there's literally no way we can spoil anything. I'm just nervous now because that's such a very good theory. All right. We're going to go to our main discussion. Um, this time of year, obviously, main discussions are not as easy to come by. We don't have any movies or TV shows coming out. Um, so we thought that we would kind of piggyback on some of the director and schedule news that happened this week. Uh, as far as moving around release dates and getting a new director for Black Widow. Um, Kevin Feige is not telling us anything about what's coming after Avengers 4. We continue to live in this black hole of information. So I just decided we would talk about movies that we think are coming in Phase 4 and kind of start to make our wish list of things we want to see. So I've got kind of a list of these, Adam. i got some questions. We'll talk about them, and then that'll be it. Does that sound good? That sounds excellent. All right. So our first four, Phase 4 movie is going to be Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, it's going to come out in July of 2019, so just about a year from now. Uh, we've learned a little bit about this movie already. Uh, one of the things that struck me about the release date shifts is that I had assumed that July 2021 date was going to be Spider-Man 3. 
and um, then they moved it up to February, which suggests that Spider-Man 3 is not coming in July of that year. Um, last we've heard, Spider-Man Far From Home is the last picture on the Spider-Man Sony deal. Uh, how essential do you think it is, Adam, that Marvel keeps uh, Spider-Man in the MCU? Like, does that deal need to extend, or uh, have we gotten enough for now? H- how are you feeling about Marvel keeping the Sony contract kind of going? In terms of, you know, overall marketing, in terms of you factor in fanboys and you ter- factor in, you know, just um, the the f- the money these characters bring in, the only character that would ever probably make more money than Spider-Man for Marvel's Wolverine. Um, you know, Spidey and Wolverine just kind of seem like the go-to characters, you know, throughout comics or toys or TV or animated stuff. Um, you know, those are kind of like the, the cream of the crop, A-listers, if you will, you know, um, I think at this point, you know, if Disney's willing to go shell out a fortune for Fox and yeah, obviously they get more than just the Fantastic Four and X-Men. But, you know, those rides are a substantial part of it. Um, you know, it is hard to... Um, it's hard to think that they would let Sony backpedal on the deal, you know. I mean, there we've got no indication so far that, you know, it's, it's going to stop. But at the end of the day, I mean, Sony does own the rights. If Venom... Um, Venom does really well. Maybe they've tested it and it's testing well or something. Who knows? Maybe they'll want Spider-Man back in that universe or something. You know, I think Disney's gonna fight for fight to keep you know Peter in the MCU. Um, you you can't have him be done after after two movies. Um, but you know, we're, we're kind of at the same time we're kind of at this thing. Through Infinity War, through Civil War, through Avengers 4, you know, I mean, Spidey's probably, by the time Avengers 4 and Far From Home ends, Spidey's probably himself going to have a pretty complete arc, um, even though it's relatively quick. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be complete, you know, grown up pretty darn fast. So, yeah, I, I, I could see maybe the rights reverting, but it's it's hard to believe Disney would let him go after just two solo movies. But it's not, but yeah, you know, it's not like it's just going to rip Peter Parker out of the MCU. You, you know, I think if it does end, I don't think I would be upset because I don't think it would disrupt any of the storytelling that's going on in the MCU at the time. One of the things that's weird to me is Spider-Man is not a traditional Avenger. Like, I I feel like Spidey should be in the MCU because Spider-Man has always had great team-ups, whether it's, like, him and Strange or him and Daredevil, even, like, him and Cap. You know, there's been good Spidey stories with other characters. But uh, the only time he's really been Avenger... I mean, he was... He was kind of in the Hickman run, but even then, that was, like, Superior Mm -hmm. Spider-Man Otto Octavius, you know? Um, it was mostly the uh, that new Avengers run by Brian Michael mm-hmm. Bendis, right? That's the only time that Spidey's been a major Avenger piece. And so, uh, 
you know, I, I like Spidey having team ups, but I don't know if I have to have Spider-Man to make an Avengers team. And we're going to talk about this a little bit, but already it's kind of a little clouded as far as we've kind of had like the, the triumvirate, right. Of like, it's like cap and Thor and Iron Man. We're kind of like these three main, some people would say Hulk, but you know, that those are really the three main characters that have kept the universe together. For me, that's becoming Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Captain Marvel. Absolutely. Spidey's great, but he just doesn't... Uh, I don't know. He's almost more of like a the Hulk character, you know? So, mm. Agreed. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's kind of like a ru- long-running joke. You know, Spidey's always kind of like a Avengers intern of sorts or something. He's Marvel's version of Aquaman. You know, he's he's never sits at the... Uh, what do you call it? The big kid's table. He never sits at the adult table. He's always at the kiddie's table. Well, and that's the other thing I was going to ask about. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming and Civil War to some degree, and maybe a bit of Infinity War. Like, this version of Spider-Man we've been sold is sort of the lovable goof who doesn't totally know how to use his powers and, you know, messes around with his suit. And, like, it's always like, oh, gee whiz, golly, Mr. Stark. I didn't know that was there. And yeah. It's been really enjoyable to have that young Spider-Man. Do you feel like he's got to grow as we get into Far From Home? Does he need to become a more competent Spider-Man? Or is you know is, is that shtick going to wear thin eventually? I think so. I mean, it's a little... Yeah. If they stop giving him damn suits, you know? Because each, <laughs> each appearance so far, he's gotten a new suit. Um, yeah, I'm... I don't. I don't mind it. it. Just kind of plays off of how naive he is. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind it. It probably would wear thin if we're in Spider-Man five or six, and he's graduated college and he's still doing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, for for the immediate future, you know, it's. I would guess after Avengers four, he's going to have to do a lot of growing up in a little amount of time as a result of stuff that goes on. My thought is just if he can dodge, if he can dodge like pieces of a moon falling on Titan with Mantis in his arms, he probably shouldn't be falling into pools anymore. You know, like we, we we should definitely start to see a Spider-Man that's doing what he's wanting more. Um, so yeah, and, and we did see kind of a little bit of that growing up in Infinity War because on Titan when they first crash, you know he's deathly afraid of Mantis and not. But what thirty minutes later he's flying through the sky, risking his life while holding her. You know, so I I kind of want to know how those spider legs work too. Like when he was doing that with Mantis, do you think that's AI or is he controlling those? I don't know. I don't think he's controlling them because he would have gotten sucked out of the spaceship if, you know, if they didn't automatically do it. I, I would guess there's probably a feature where he can, but it's just kind of like the, uh, what they call it in Homecoming, the training wheels protocol or something like right. that, that he had to have net overrun. I would guess there's something like that in place. All right. Uh, the next movie probably on the schedule is going to... Well, we know the next movie is coming out in May of 2020. Uh, we're almost sure that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, particularly since James Gunn has uh, officially finished that script. Um, 
so many questions. I guess the first one, um, do you think some of the deaths in Infinity War, particularly Gamora, should stay for Guardians 3, or will it kind of ruin Guardians for you if you don't have that full team there? Uh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, on one side, I mean, Gamora is a complete badass, and, and I want to see as much Gamora as I can, you know. I mean, she's in the comics, she's the deadliest woman of the galaxy, and I I don't think they've done her justice yet. I did really like her um, her story in Infinity War, um, and, you know, the scene on Nowhere where she, where she goes and just slices Thanos' throat. Um but they've they've kind of done a Ronin with her a little bit, you know. She's she's incredible in the comics, and it's just not quite there yet in the movies. So I would be disappointed uh, a little bit if they kept her dead. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it would it cheapen Infinity War a little bit if she wasn't dead. But I think we kind of all know the answer to that because she's not really dead because didn't the writers confirm she's in Soul World? <laughs> I don't remember. So. I mean, she's definitely <laughs> in the Soul Stone. That's that's true. Yeah, so... I mean, if they, if they keep her dead, I, I think that would make an excellent story for... I mean, Gunn himself has said that, you know, Volume 3 is the end of this iteration of the Guardians. So it's either it's how they end, you know. Do they end and kind of go on their own separate ways after they try to cope with the death of Gamora, or do you, does she come back and her and Quill go off into the sunset as Drax is celebrating because Thanos is dead after Avengers Four? You know, it's I don't know. There's I have a huge want list of new characters uh, for Volume Three as they transition. Maybe if we get another Guardians Galaxy or a Ravagers movie, you know. Um, but yeah, Guardians Three could go go really anyway. It's definitely probably my most anticipated movie at this point. Yeah, I I particularly um, I think it'd be interesting to leave her dead because I think the story you talk about new characters. You know, they talked about what it's like to find a family, and then the second one's kind of about how families stick together when things get difficult. Um, dealing with Yondu's death and Gamora's death and uh, maybe one or two, uh, maybe Nebula's. I mean, we, we don't know. However, Infinity War, you know, or Avengers 4 breaks down. Um, kind of the story of how you move on, you know, how you sort of bury family members that die and then bring in new family members and like make space in your heart for new people when you've lost people that were with you before. Like, to me, that's an emotional touchstone that Gunn could really make sense of, particularly like for Quill. Like if he loses Gamora, bringing in another character who is even his friend like Gamora was, or it, it, maybe it's a romantic thing, maybe it's not, whatever. You know, like, can he make space to love again after losing somebody? You know, like, I think that could be a very interesting emotional piece to that movie that would be good. James Gunn has kind of, um, so we obviously got Adam Warlock greatly hinted in, uh, Guardians 2. And then since then he's been like, well, not necessarily in Guardians 3. I could write him out. Might not do it. Might not do it. Um, how important is it to you that you see Adam Warlock in Guardians 3? 
since Warlocks, uh, not an in Infinity War for sure, and he's probably not in Avengers Four. You know, I it doesn't really matter when we get him. You know, comic wise, he's the biggest part of nearly every single Infinity story, uh, with the exception of Hickman's. Um, you know, Gunn loves that uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning run. Um, Warlock's a part of the team then. Um, he's kind of one of the characters on my want list. It's just, it's kind of difficult. Warlock's kind of, uh, comparing him to, you know, the X-Men, he's kind of like that Omega-level character. He's kind of like a Superman-esque, you know. He's like alongside, it's Warlock and Sentry and Gladiator. You know, those guys are, are Captain Marvel. You know, they're kind of like... The, the cream of the crop that are the most powerful people. So it'll be interesting to see would, would they kind of nerf his powers and kind of dial it back some? Would they focus kind of more on the magic or would they focus on, on the cosmic stuff? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, obviously they probably don't have a Century movie in the works and they obviously can't do anything with Gladiator yet. So it's kind of difficult for them to, you know, introduce... Captain Marvel and Adam Warlock back to back because their power sets are are pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of stealing from some conversations I've heard on other podcasts here, but Marvel has kept their heroes relatively low power. Even Thanos with the gauntlet was not quite as like omnipotent as we maybe thought he like he was difficult to beat. But there was a moment where you thought legitimately. That Spidey and Strange and Iron Man and Star Lord were gonna, you know, like get the glove off him. And Marvel's done well to do that. And really, you know, like Justice League, one of the problems they had is Superman was so many pay grades above everybody else that like you don't need a team of people to fight, you just need Superman to do it. And so how they bring in characters like Captain Marvel or Adam Warlock in a way that escalates things and does you know, like what good is a Star-Lord on a team with Adam Warlock? Like, what can he possibly do that Warlock can't do, right? Exactly. And that, I think you're right, is going to be a major challenge that they're going to have to face if they start upping the, the ante on these powerful characters. And, I mean, we haven't really gotten a character like... I mean, Thor's probably the closest one we've gotten so far. I mean, especially with his his new Stormbreaker. Um, but it's not like we've gotten this Superman type character. For the record, I do not want a Superman like character in the MCU. Um, personally, I absolutely hate Superman. It's just kind of like the he's kind of like a garbage pizza, you know. It's just like ah, let's give him every power and he can't be defeated. Um, yes, I think Supes is totally overrated. So uh, yeah, I don't want a Superman character. You know, I think it is interesting, especially in the the War Kings run we just talked about. Um, you know, Warlock kind of gets into some magic type stuff, and I think that would be kind of a good way to bridge the gap between Strange's stuff and the Guardians. Um, I think that would be a good, excellent way to do it. Also, what's uh, what's the name of Snake Guy? Kruger, Kruger, yeah, Kruger, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's a Guardians with magic. That would be awesome. I would be so stoked if we actually got a Ravagers movie with Kruger. Oh man, make it happen, somebody. 
in the live chat, Michael Ford was also saying uh, he was hoping for a Richard Ryder Nova. So after Warlock, Rich, and Vance Astro are two and three kind of on my want list. Even though, yeah, Vance isn't happening, so give us Nova. I mean, yeah. uh, they could do so much with an Overcore. I think that's almost a franchise within itself. You know, it's essentially Green Lantern ish stuff. Um, but I mean, you have a kind of like a, a saving Private Ryan, but with space people instead, you know? Well, I think they could also have their cake and eat it too. It, I mean, I think they might worry about brand confusion, but it'd be kind of interesting if Nova was a Guardians character who was in Guardians movies as Richard Ryder. But then somehow they connected him with Sam Alexander and they did films about Sam Alexander, but they used Richard Ryder as a Guardians member, right? So that both of those parts of the Nova fan base can be pleased. I think that could be really interesting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I, there's ways they could absolutely do that. You know, obviously they have to introduce kind of the, they've introduced the Nova Corps, um, but it's far from what the Nova Corps actually is. So that would be super, super interesting. The best of both worlds. All right. Uh, we think the next thing on the schedule is that July movie for 2020, which would be Black Widow. Um, this is a movie people have wanted to see for a really long time. Uh, Adam, I think the thing that interests, interests me about this movie is we've been working with a functional assumption that the original six are going to kind of fade away, that Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo and Chris Hemsworth are going to kind of fade into the background after Avengers 4. Um, Scarlett Johansson has been around almost as long as anybody in the, in the MCU, and she's not going to fade into the background if they hand her a Black Widow movie, also particularly if A-Force is really a thing that's going to happen you'd think she would be kind of one of the leads in that movie. Um, would it surprise you or would it be exciting if ScarJo outlives RDJ and Chris Evans and some of these other characters in the MCU? It would not surprise me um, because I don't think... Um, I mean, I would Black Widow's almost got to be a prequel, doesn't it? Is, is that what yeah, you're talking I mean, Are you talking about the story characters or are you just talking about the Scar Joe's actual career within the MCU? Uh, I guess I was thinking about both. I mean, there is some ideas that this may be a flashback movie. It would be really odd to me, though, to launch a, a Black Widow franchise as a prequel that can't extend into the future because her character's dead. Like, I guess they could do that, but that seems like it would be a very odd choice. Yeah, I mean, the good thing with Black Widow, we know virtually nothing about her background. We saw kind of some of that stuff in the Age of Ultron stuff. Um, but they could do whatever they wanted. If they wanted Bucky Barnes, they'd put Bucky Barnes in there as, as the antagonist. And it's going to be a box office hit. Uh, you know, they could do whatever they wanted with it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, I would guess just it would be a prequel. I'm not sure... It, I'm not sure how enjoyable a Black Widow. If everything dies down, what's what's Black Widow gonna do? Is she going to be a agent for the reformed Shield that they're gonna have to form in the wake of Thanos, or is she gonna? Are they gonna form Sword because it's now they're trying to protect Earth instead of just America? You know, it. Yeah, I, 
I don't I don't know where they would take a storyline post Avengers four in the timeline featuring Black Widow. Yeah. Maybe Nick Fury is a scroll and it's actually her hunting down her mentor. Hmm. That could be Hashtag fun. Secret Invasion. Black Widow, Secret Invasion. Look at that. That would be weird if they I don't know why I just had that idea, but a Black Widow movie that was also the Secret Invasion movie could be and then Captain Marvel could pretty naturally show up, and then that could be the the bridge towards an A Force. I'll tell you, there might be some some good ideas there. Speaking of Fury in that that May one twenty twenty day. Oh no, it's not May one twenty twenty, but Far From Home. Apparently, Fury might be in Spidey too. Yeah, did you? I see couldn't that? remember. So it's something like he should like Samuel L. Jackson. First of all. If Samuel L. Jackson is actually leaking everything that the blogs are saying he is, he's worse than Tom Holland. Because every week he's wearing a new sweatshirt, and they're like, Samuel L. Jackson's sweatshirt confirms that Captain Marvel will have a mohawk. And I'm like, or they just ripped a piece of art off of a comic book. Um, But yeah, he showed a picture of like his business card, but then the location of his tweet was somewhere in England, which is close to where they're filming Far From Home or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which and suggests he's, well, that he was, yeah. Nick Fury survives Avengers 4, which he'd be a top candidate to die, I would think, but... Yeah. Plus, one of the uh, one of the pictures he posted, he, he had his eye patch and his scar back, too. So unless he's putting that makeup on, just kind of instead of the whole uh, beard and ball cap disguise, you know, to walk around London, um, I have no idea why else he'd be in that makeup in London at the same exact time Far From Home's filming. Yeah, but they've—I mean—they've also filmed post-credit scenes for other properties on the same within the same production as a movie. So, who knows? He's doing something. That's all we know. The other thing I wanted to ask about Black Widow: um, in the time since Black Widow has been introduced to today, just in the last few years, uh, we've seen several movies like Atomic Blonde or um, Red Sparrow kind of these movies that felt at least Black Widow adjacent, you know, I think there's some, some good conversation about how much like Black Widow they are or not. Uh, what do you think? I mean, if you're pitching this to Marvel, what is the hook for a Black Widow movie that makes her stand out from another sort of female spy movie? Well, according to one certain popular entertainment journalist, Mission Impossible is the best <laughs> franchise ever made. So maybe they're ever trying made. to capitalize on the success of Mission Impossible and kind of creating that high stakes action female James Bond type character. You know, personally, I've said this before, but I, I've just not gotten into the Bond franchise. Um, you know, Mission Impossible. I don't. I don't know what it is. It just kind of all blends in together. It's. It's always the protagonist and some shady Russian guy that won't, is hell-bent on launching a nuke and destroying the world because nobody knows just because he's upset or something, you know. it. Uh, Black Widow is certainly a deeper character if they got into the, the Red Room stuff. if I think it would be cool if they kind of brought Jeremy Renner into it so they could go into that, that Budapest subplot. But then again, you know, a Black Widow movie doesn't need to depend on Hawkeye, of all people. So, 
I don't know what I don't I don't know how I would pitch a Black Widow movie. I guess you know I would anticipate it's kind of like a that J Law movie that just came out. You know, it's I don't. That's why I'm saying it's it's hard. If I pitched it, it would definitely be a prequel, probably with with the Winter Soldier into it because we know they've gotten into it before. Um, but outside of that, there's there's probably going to be a lot of espionage and that type of stuff. It's just not my it's not my cup of tea. The, the whole spy thriller, action, flying helicopters and they're crashing and things of that nature. I mean, ask the question. I, I don't have an answer to it. I mean, th- one of my concerns with it, you know, even if we make it broader than the female-oriented ones, between the Mission Impossibles and the Jason Bournes and the James Bonds, and then you know, I mean, we just we have a lot of these spy kind of movies that have gone a lot of the same patterns over and over and over again, and so. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how you make it something unique. Um, I think for the MCU, it needs to be kind of a spy thriller. I mean, it needs to have a different genre than some of the other stuff. But where you take that, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be fascinating to see how they handle that. It'll have to almost be pre prior to her Shield days as well, too, because then we're going to open up another. Because we know she's worked with Coulson, right? Yeah. She was somehow flipped from KGB to S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point, so... So, yeah, I I, I just don't have a plot. I know there's a Black Widow Max series. I have the comics. I've never read it. Maybe that'll be a book club type thing. But yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, there's certainly not... Uh, like a Daredevil or Spider-Man amount of comics to pull stories from, that's for sure. It could be... I mean, it might be interesting to see a movie where they just commit to the Russians being right. You know, like maybe a KGB story where she can be the hero because America is the one doing something evil and the Russians are doing something wrong or right. You know, like... That's not the way the world is today. Don't hear me wrong. The Russians are bad. But, you know, like, <laughs> it could be interesting to kind of flip all those things on there. It would certainly get the, the tabloid, you know, headlines. If it was like an Iran-Contra situation or something, or I don't know. It would be it'd be interesting. Black Widow's actually tasked with taking down a cell of Russian computer hackers trying to interfere <laughs> in the election. Interfere with an election. Yeah, Dallas. that was the other way I yeah. thought. Yeah, that's another possibility. <laughs> There's my pitch. <laughs> a little on the nose, but yeah, that'd be great. Um, Doctor Strange 2. So there's going to be a November 2020 movie. Doctor Strange 2 seems like a great candidate. Um, I guess let me just ask this question. What role... Um, so we've seen kind of Doctor Strange do his own thing, and then we've seen him kind of connect with other characters... Uh, what role do you like? How do you want to see Doctor Strange? Do you want to see like a Ragnarok style team up with him, or do you want to see him just go deeper and deeper into his own little magic world? That kind of thing where he goes off and he saves us all, and none of us know that it happened because it was off in some other dimension. Like, what what's the way to make him more interesting? Is it keep him kind of siloed by himself, or to combine him with other characters? I'll pose it with this. Do you think we'll actually have a true solo movie ever again? 
I mean, we had we had Black Panther, sure, but I mean, Thor obviously wasn't Thor Ragnarok wasn't a solo movie. You know, Spider Man Homecoming, that sure, but Iron Man was still in it um, and played a big role in it at that. You know, um, I would get obviously, yeah, I would love to see them get into the the, the magic stuff. L- kind of looking back on Doctor Strange you know it is a kind of a bit disappointing how they handled Dormammu I mean Dormammu's a huge 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 threat to the whole MCU as we know it and that was kind of like not even a whole third act you know um yeah I don't know we've we've heard talk of Nightmare there there's stuff that they could introduce you know brother Voodoo his brother was in the first one and killed um they could kind of get into the, the Voodoo type stuff I don't know, you know. I mean, outside with the original six out of the MCU, probably post Avengers four. I mean, Cumberbatch is the new RDJ of the MCU, right? Um, I used to think that until Black Panther came out. I think Chadwick Boseman is the new RDJ of the MCU. Okay, I I see it. I mean, so yeah, we we've hinted at this. We can talk about so. It doesn't have to be a one-to-one correlation. In my mind, Captain Marvel is going to become the new Captain America, right? The stand-up, red, white, and blue, you know, kind of straight man of the Avengers. I see Black Panther then in that Iron Man role, kind of the str- the strategic guy, the guy who's sort of... Um, uh, he's got a lot of charisma and has a lot of money and power... And then I see Doctor Strange as the new Thor, right? The the guy that has the power and the knowledge from a foreign, distant place and, you know, knows of things that human beings don't know about. Like, that's kind of the way I see the Avengers shaping up in the future. I see that. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of Doctor Strange, too, obviously you wouldn't think it's probably going to be any later than that, that November uh, 2020 date. But story-wise, I mean, yeah, the uh, the writer and Derrickson have both hinted at a, a nightmare. So, I mean, Derrickson's totally uh, in bed, kind of with the the horror aspect of it. And we kind of heard that about the first movie, except it wasn't. Well, that's not what it ended up being. So, it, it'd be something different without going the Morbius or Blade route. Yeah, I'd like for me. I want to see Doctor Strange just go further, deeper. I want Strange to kind of like just go off on these adventures other places. One of the things I've always kind of liked about Strange is the idea that he has done things to save the universe, and he gets no attention or no credit. Right? Like Captain America stops a guy with a bomb in Times Square, and he's on the news for everybody to see and adore. And Strange has just fought a billion, like, interdimensional demons that were just about to overwhelm the planet, and nobody knows that it happened. And that idea that, like, you're constantly being saved from secret threats that you didn't know were there, you know, even kind of that man-on-the-wall idea that they kind of played around with in the comics with, um, uh, with uh, not Original Sin, which one was it? The one where you also was killed. Yeah, that's original sin. Okay. Like, that idea of, like, somebody who protects us from those things. I I think it would be fun uh, to go that way with Strange. So, 
All right, uh, Black Panther 2, we just said, we think is going to come out in February of 2021. Um, Adam, is there any way for them to up the ante for Black... Like, given how huge it was, like, is there any strategy that you would have to try to make that movie bigger? Because it seems almost impossible in my mind to do it. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure... The, the one thing I could see making it absolutely huge by that point, well, I mean, they could probably do it now, right? Make Namor the, the villain. I mean, if you bring in, in Black Panther's um, market and demo and fan base that it built and... Uh, Black Panther 1 and if you carry that into Black Panther 2 and include the oldest I mean Submariner's one of the oldest comic book characters ever created you know and that huge following that a character like Namor has if they can make him a bad guy and kind of do like a land versus sea type movie um, you know especially with the tech involved and Aquaman's looking surprisingly good um you know, I think that could be a big, big... That that would be an event within itself, you know? Well, and I think I've said on this podcast before, given how well Coogler developed Wakanda as a new place, like a new geography within the MCU, the idea of letting him be the guy who sets up Atlantis for us is totally good in my mind. You know, like, yes, absolutely. He gets world building enough that I would love for him to get that kind of piece, you know, like uh, to get to be able to set that up. I think that'd be great. Um, do you want to see all of Black Panther take place in Wakanda or uh, would it be fun to see uh, T'Challa come back? To, and we've never actually we've never seen except for the very end of Black Panther. We've never seen him in the United States, right? That's accurate. Yeah, because, I mean, Civil War, that was all in Belgium or, or whatever. Germany, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good point. The one thing, I will say, the one thing that, that might grow old for me is a constant battle for the throne. Because, I mean, I would anticipate we're going to see some of that in Avengers 4. You know, with T'Challa gone, I mean, I would guess M'Baku's going to be wanting the throne except it's rightfully Shuri's. So I, I would guess we're probably going to see some of that unless they also got poofed eventually. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, everyone knows Wakanda exists now. Um, so how are they going to do it? Are they going to do it like a American oil baron or something's coming for Wakanda? Are they going to go the Atlantis angle? I, I don't know. I'd prefer Atlantis. All right. Uh, here's my last one. Ant-Man 3. Do we need an Ant-Man 3? Or are you pretty happy with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp? I, I don't think we need it. I think we'll probably get it. I, think, I mean, at this point, I would say, unless you're an Incredible Hulk, or you're a Spider-Man, or you're a Namor, you know, your, your character rights aren't exclusively owned by Marvel Studios, I think it's probably safe to say you'll get a trilogy, at least. Um, I would guess that. Someone tweeted at me today, and they said, uh, I think uh, they told me they think MODOK would be a great villain for uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp 3. I think that'd be perfect. Um, MODOK's just so, so goofy. 
um, with the whole make Modoc kind of uh, another former Pym colleague and kind of that angle they've played many times before. Uh, we, we don't need an Ant-Man or the Wasp 3. Um, I would prefer the Wasp, uh, if anything, um, but I think we'll probably end up getting it regardless. Yeah. Um, I've said it a couple times on the podcast before. I want to see him go big. I mean, this movie was still about going to the quantum realm. I want to see it big, man. I, I say make Fing Fang Foom the bad guy and just do a straight up like kaiju, like monsters are attacking <laughs> San Francisco yeah. and he's got to become giant man. And like, he's got to get around the technical aspect of how like exhausted that makes him. And, um, yeah, totally. Just make him gigantic. And, uh, you know, just like him and Goliath and Fing Fang Foom and like a three-way fight, like using skyscrapers to beat each other over the head. I mean, you know, if we've got to have an Ant-Man 3, I'm let's go Pacific that. Rim with it, you know? Yes. Yes. Ant-Man, where monsters dwell. Sign yeah, me or, well, yeah, or the, um... Oh, dude, what about the um, that new Inhumans character they made for the Monsters Unleashed series? The kid who, uh, whatever monster he draws, becomes a monster in real life? Oh, That could be okay. fun. Yeah. All right, we could we could talk about these. Stop drawing all we these. We could monsters. talk about these things forever, like but it. I guess we will. Uh, we'll wrap up uh, quickly to the mailbag. Uh, Anthony Wickeiser uh, mentioned that we didn't say anything about the fastball special in Luke Cage. That was pretty cool. Um, that's an interesting IP thing. Does fastball special technically should that belong to Fox? I mean, I always think of it as like a Colossus Wolverine thing. Is that just a general Marvel thing or? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. It was awesome regardless. Um, German Martinez Alonso had some good thoughts about Luke Cage. Uh, he was thinking that Luke probably doesn't care about the drugs outside of Harlem because he trusts the other defenders will take care of business. Um, on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, he was just talking about how they did a good job of making Hank seem kind of shady or questionable as a character. And I think that's true. Uh, Love Waffle was saying he thought that the use of Egghead was a little goofy in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Kind of weird. Um, that they would use the main villain kind of that way. Um, they, they could have used any character there. Why use him? I actually always felt that way about Madame Mask and Agents uh, and Agent Carter. Like that villain yeah. was not Madame Mask, so why waste the IP on her? They could have made Ghost the child of some random friend of Pim's. Like that, I didn't see any reason to make it Egghead, but um. And oh, Adam, this is maybe where you got the Modok idea. Was Love Waffle uh, mentioned Modok as a villain in Ant Man? Uh, and then Dave um, was hoping that we see more Jessica Jones and Luke Cage season three, maybe even kind of going toe to toe with him, maybe calling him on uh, his his stuff that he's doing now, which I think would be really exciting. I'd be all for that. Um, Michael T. Ford has been in the live chat. Uh, apparently, he's been pushing the Black Widow secret war or secret invasion idea forever. 
So that is probably not my original idea. He has incepted that into my mind via Twitter. And that's where that probably came from. Uh, he also was saying that he'd like to see a story where T'Challa maybe was in the States and sure he had to uh, take care of things back home in Black Panther 2. So I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. Adam, anything else before we wrap up this pod? No, that's good. I would like seeing Shuri as a Black Panther while uh, T'Challa kind of acts more of a, a delegate of sorts. I think that'd be super interesting. But yeah. I think we're definitely getting Shuri as Black Panther in Avengers 4 at this point, right? Yeah. Particularly if there's us. a time jump. All right. Uh, is San Diego next week? It is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nothing really big. Well, there's something huge happening for me personally, but nothing really big for anyone else. Iron Fist trailer, what's up? Iron Fist trailer. We'll probably, uh, there'll be stuff for Legion. There'll be stuff, uh, a lot of Spider-Verse stuff. Uh, next week will be the, the triumvirate of things people love us talking about. Yeah. yeah. Sony stuff. Iron Fist and um, and X Men TV shows the, the, that always gives us Bonzo ratings. So. <laughs> uh, but Rhiannon's I think going to do some cool stuff. Rhiannon is going to be there at San Diego, so uh, be on the lookout on the website and all that other places, uh, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. There should be some good content there from Rhiannon live from San Diego. So that's pretty exciting. All right, guys, I think that does it for this week's show. I hope you guys are doing well. We'll see you next week.